Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, if you would, please take out your Bibles and turn in them this morning to the middle of your Bible, the Psalm number 23. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one under a chair in front of you. And in the front portion of that, you can turn to page 401 and you'd be at Psalm 23. You know, natural ability is a very intriguing concept. Uh, Some of us have a natural ability as a musician. Some of us have a natural ability as an artist. Some of us have natural ability as an athlete. But there's one natural ability that is common to all of us. And that is the natural ability to worry and to fret. And we are very good at that naturally. We will worry and we will fret about the economy. We will worry and fret about the future, about relationships. We'll worry and fret about conflicts and about bills. We will worry and fret about our health and our children and possible outcomes. We'll worry and fret about that. What could be? What might be, and I want to ask you a question this morning, and that question is this, are you worried today? Do you come in here apprehensive, maybe agitated, uh, maybe anxious? And as we get started today, I want to share with you three truths about worry, and these are, are worth noting. The first truth about worry is that worry is unhelpful. It is unhelpful. It does not accomplish anything. You know, Jesus talks about that in Matthew 6, 27, when he says there, who by worrying can add one cubit to his lifespan? We would say in in our language today, our Um, vernacular today. Who can add one hour to your life by worrying? Worrying is unhelpful. It's like sitting in a parked car with the engine off and you're pressing your foot on the gas pedal. It's getting you absolutely nowhere to worry. The, The second truth about worry is that it is unhealthy. It is unhealthy. Worry can cause high blood pressure, uh, digestive disorders, cardiovascular disease. It can lead to a, a loss of sex drive. It can suppress our immune system. When we worry and fret, it can bring about headaches. It can bring about fatigue. It can bring about a sense of being overwhelmed by things and even can bring about panic attacks in our life. Worry is unhealthy. It will sour our life and it will shorten our life. And then the third truth about worry is this. Worry is unnecessary when we have a shepherd. And that leads us into our study that we're in right now of the God who is there from Psalm 23. And we're learning how He is our all in all. And we're seeing that He, God, is our great shepherd. He's the God who satisfies and guides and protects and provides and promises. And if you haven't picked up uh, one of the little yellow outlines, I would encourage you to pick one of those up. 
But last time we were together, we looked at verse 1 where we saw the Lord, Yahweh God Himself, is my shepherd. And David says, that being true, I shall not want. In other words, I have everything I need. Now today, we're moving a little deeper into the psalm, and we're going to see that our God, Yahweh God, is the God who satisfies. And we're going to see that in verse 2 and the first part of verse 3. What I want to do is just read with verse 1 down through the first part of verse 3, invite you to follow along in Psalm 23. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Now we're having a shift this morning because in verse 1, David talked about who our shepherd is. Now, beginning with verse 2, he's going to talk about what our shepherd does. And we're going to see this morning that he is the God who satisfies. He satisfies our needs, he calms our heart, and he renews our spirit. And what we have here in verse 2 and the first part of verse 3 are three pictures that he gives us of what our shepherd does. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters is the second picture. And the third picture is that he restores my soul. And so what we want to do this morning is look at those three pictures more closely. Now the first picture is that he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now sheep have two needs primarily. They have a need for grass, and they have a need for water. And he addresses those needs in these first couple of statements. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Let's take a little closer look at what that really means. Now, it's important for us to understand that in Israel, it's not like a lot of our farmland here. You do not have non-stop green rolling hills. In fact, this is a picture that the Abernathys took. Lori Abernathy took this when they were in Israel. This is a real shot from Israel. And you'll see that Israel, if you've ever been there, is a pretty rocky place. Uh, it's, it's not exactly all lush meadows. And what a shepherd would have to do in Israel is he would have to lead the sheep to a green pasture, and it might be over a a difficult road or uh, over a rolling hill like you might see in this second picture that is there. He would have to lead them to a green pasture. And once the sheep were there, we have this picture that he gives us in verse 2, how the shepherd would make the sheep lie down. And the picture there is that in a gentle but firm way, the shepherd would force the sheep to the ground. And what you would end up with is a a picture, if you can picture this in your mind, of a sheep with its folded legs nestled down into the grass. Now, there are three reasons from my reading that I have found out as to why a shepherd would make sheep lie down. Here's the very first reason. 
The first reason was fear. He would make the sheep lie down when they were experiencing fear. Now, remember, sheep were very skittish. Any quick movements, any changes of their environment would make them anxious, would would have them panic, and they would become fearful. Even something like the rustling of a tree branch or the sudden wind gust might cause fear in the sheep. Or if there was an unknown noise out there that the sheep didn't immediately recognize, it may have the response of fear. Now remember, in this analogy, we are sheep, right? And as sheep, we are easily spooked. There can be an unexpected turn of circumstances in our life. There can be some news that comes to us that catches us off guard. There can be a storm coming in our life that we see on the horizon, and we can have this response of fear. Things like that can happen in our life, and suddenly the shepherd, when he looks into our eyes, he sees panic there. Now, when it comes to worry and fear, a large percentage of what we worry about and we get anxious over and what we fret over is what might happen, what could be. The other day I was talking with my grandson Landon. Landon is two years old. And Landon was fussing and he was upset. And I said to him, Landon, what is the problem? And in his little guy voice, he said, I'm worried I'm not going to be able to hack it in kindergarten. And he said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to understand algebra. And he said, I'm worried about where I'm going to go one day for college. And he said, I'm so anxious about my career. What is my career going to be? And I'm uncertain that I'm ever going to learn about how to be a good example as a parent to my children. Nah, he didn't say that at all. But if he did, what would I say to him? I would have said something like, Landon, tomorrow will take care of itself. And when the time comes for you to face kindergarten, and the time comes for you to be a parent, God is going to be there. And the shepherd will show you what to do. Do you know that Jesus emphasized the same thing? Keep your finger in Psalm 23 and and go with me in the right of your Bible to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. And I want you to notice the, the very last verse, which is verse 34. This is a section when Jesus is saying to the disciples, stop worrying. Literally, that's what he says. And what Jesus is making the argument of is is this. Worry is unhelpful, just as we saw earlier. It is unnecessary. And in Matthew 6, 34, he says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Don't be worrying. Tomorrow will take care of itself. I'll be there, and I will be your shepherd. 
I love the way Mac Brunson put it. He said this. This is a great illustration. He said, do you, do you know that if you take a dense fog that is 100 feet vertical in height, and that dense fog covers seven square city blocks, if you take that fog and you condense the fog, you would get less than one single eight-ounce glass of water. But when a single cup of water is vaporized, it transforms into a dense, blinding fog that can cover seven city blocks, and that's really amazing. And he goes on to say this. He says, that's what we do with worry. We allow something in our life, whatever it may be, that amounts to almost nothing to become a blinding, all-encompassing vapor that hinders our faith. Much that we worry about will never actually happen. And no matter what the situation, the shepherd is going to be there. And a lot of times he's coming alongside of us and he's firmly laying us down and he's saying to us, uh, let me handle this, okay? Let me handle this. He really wants to whisper in our ear, hey, you're assuming a responsibility that is not yours. Just think of the analogy of a sheep, a real sheep. Wouldn't it be silly for the sheep to be worrying? You would want to say to the sheep, let the shepherd be the shepherd. That's the shepherd's responsibility. It's not your responsibility. There are three reasons a shepherd might make the sheep lie down. The first reason is fear. The second reason is frustration. Frustration. And a lot of frustrating things can happen to a sheep. They can end up with barbs in their wool and they can't get them out. They can end up with parasites in their ears or parasites in their nose, and they can get agitated by that. And remember, we are sheep. And so we too can become aggravated. And, and we can have irritations. Um, and they come in all flavors. I don't know about you, but the, my irritations and my aggravations with computers sometimes drive me absolutely nuts. I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to kick that stupid thing or just a punch through the screen. It's like, you know. And we can become aggravated and irritated with people, particularly with difficult people in our life. And when we're in those situations, the shepherd wants to lay us down. And it's like the message of, of Psalm 46.10, when he wants to say to us, be still and know that I am God. See, that's part of what he wants. He doesn't want us to become agitated and aggravated and frustrated. He just says, be still and know that I am God. So, a shepherd might make a sheep lie down. First of all, 
due to fear, or second of all, due to frustration, and thirdly, because they had a need for food. They had a need for nourishment. And so he would make them lie down so that they would be nourished. And we have need of that. We have need of nourishment in our souls. In, in John 6.35, Jesus said there, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. You see, the shepherd wants to feed us and to nourish us. And there's times in your life when the shepherd wants to make you lie down. And the idea of that is so that you would feed on him. So that you would reflect on his truth. Now, I don't know a lot about sheep. I've read quite a bit. Apparently, sheep have multiple stomachs. And often when a shepherd would, would make them lie down... What they would do is they had consumed some food before that, uh, basically this cud that they would bring back up out of one of their stomachs, and they would be, as they were lying there, chewing on that cud again. And there's times in our spiritual life when he makes us lie down because he wants us to have nourishment. He wants us to chew on his truth. He wants us to be reflecting on his truth. And there's times when he makes us lie down and we need to be asking ourselves the question, what is the shepherd teaching me? What does his word tell me about this? What does this mean about his character and his faithfulness in our life and in my life? Go to the beginning of the book of Psalms with, with me, if you would. And Psalm 1. And by the way, this is a great psalm to spend some time in. You want to talk about practical truth for life. We all have neighbors and, and classmates who, if they would just put these principles into operation, their life would be far different. But I just want you to notice in Psalm 1.1, it starts off by saying, how blessed is the man? How blessed is the person? And there's some things that a blessed person doesn't do, but in particular, I want you to notice in verse 2, when it says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's talking about biblical truth. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He takes the truth and he takes time to chew on it and reflect on it, just as a sheep would its cud. And what is the result of that? He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. You see, you want to have a fruitful life. You want to have a life of stability. You know, have a lot of roots in the ground. We spend some time getting nourishment from his truth and reflecting on that and chewing on that. And asking ourselves the question, what is the shepherd teaching me? So that's the first picture that we see in Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The second picture is he leads me beside quiet waters. Now remember, we said that sheep are very dense. They're very much like us. 
And sheep are afraid of rushing, moving water. I don't know if you know Larry May. Larry May comes here to Wildwood quite a bit. And he was telling me one time about sheep, uh, the sheep that he'd had um, some opportunity to learn from. And he said, when it comes to sheep and they're crossing a very shallow river or strong stream, what will happen with a sheep is they will feel the current moving underneath them and they will freeze. And as they freeze, their wool begins to fill up like a sponge. And eventually, they will swell and they will topple over and actually float away in the stream. That's the way sheep are. So what a shepherd would do when it came to moving water and it came to a stream is what they would do is they, from the side of the stream, they would pry some stones and they would make a makeshift dam. And in that makeshift dam, some of the water from the stream would be diverted into this little pool. And that pool would become the quiet waters, the stilled waters. In fact, literally in the original language, it talks about waters of resting places. And you start thinking about that imagery of water, and you remember that Jesus in John 4, with the Samaritan woman at the well, he offered her living water. And ultimately, the living water he was offering to her was himself. And he is the living water that refreshes us. And both of these first two pictures are pictures of our need, our need for rest and our need to be refreshed. And He is our true pasture, and He is our quiet waters. See, there's no need to fret, there's no need to panic, there's no need for worry and anxiety because our shepherd is there to meet our most basic needs. He is, after all, the God who satisfies. And he knows that, aren't you glad that he knows these things? He knows that we can be discouraged, and he knows that we can be defeated, and he knows that we can be drained. He knows those things. I want to read to you Psalm 90, verse 14. It says there, Oh, satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. It's saying to God, you need to be the one who refreshes us. Refresh us in the morning with your loving kindness, all the things that you do for us. And the response is that we can sing for joy and be glad. And by the way, this is not just some sort of weird pie-in-the-sky thing. You know, the very next verse of Psalm 90 talks about adversity. See, life is tough, right? God's not being naive about it. But when the shepherd is there with us, we can find refreshment from his loving kindness and his grace towards us, and we can find ourselves refreshed even in adversity, and we can have joy and be glad. I think part of what David is communicating to us as believers in Psalm 23 is he's saying, God is saying this to you and to me, rest in my sovereignty. 
Even if you face difficult and adverse things, even if you are fearful, even if what's happening to you is unexpected, even if there's uncertain circumstances in your life, what he's really saying is to us as sheep, trust me. I am the great shepherd. Have faith in me. I really like this statement, definition of faith. It says that faith is the refusal to panic. And that's a good definition of what faith is. It's a refusal to panic. It says that we're going to look to Him and we're going to trust Him. I want to read to you Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. I'm going to read it to you out of the New Living Translation, but this is such a great summary of all of this. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. See, that's what the shepherd wants to say to the sheep. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always because he is our shepherd and he is our rock. Men and women, he satisfies our needs. And we are needy. We're very, very needy. Now, there's a third picture that we see back in Psalm 23. And that third picture that he gives us, he not only makes me lie down in green pastures, he not only leads me beside quiet waters, but number three, it says, he restores my soul. Now, from my reading on sheep, I have found that there are two ways that sheep would be restored by a shepherd. And the first way is if the sheep sheep would become a cast sheep, C-A-S-T, a cast sheep. Now, Philip Keller tells us about this in his writings, and, and what would happen when a sheep would become cast is that a, a sheep would slip and fall and roll onto its back. And in some ways, sheep are a little bit like a turtle that's on its back. And a sheep can struggle to right itself as it's on its back. And if left alone in a cast position, then gas that's in its four stomachs can begin to become trapped. And pretty soon, the sheep becomes bloated. And if left in a cast position, the circulation of the sheep would be cut off and and death would soon follow. So one way that the shepherd would restore a sheep is that he would find a cast sheep and then he would restore the sheep by putting the sheep back on its feet. What an incredible picture that is. Because the truth of the matter is, men and women, that sometimes we are cast. Sometimes we find ourselves upside down in our life. And we're upside down maybe because of hurt. We're upside down maybe because of resentment in our life. 
sometimes because of hurt. And if we are left unattended there in that position and nothing is done about it, it that hurt can build up destructive gases in our life. Sometimes we are hurt from some loss or, or separation that we experience, and we feel that hurt. Sometimes the loss of the separation is from someone who's very close to us. Now, I, I watched a show the other day about um, some families that had lost a loved one in a violent act. And it's just amazing, you know, that, that can happen to someone close to us, and we hurt because they hurt. Sometimes we're hurt because we have experienced a misunderstanding, or maybe someone has misrepresented us in some way, and that hurts. And a lot of times when there's hurt in our life, we can maybe choose that because of the hurt, I'm going to now withdraw. I'm going to withdraw. Or maybe we decide because there's hurt in our life that we're going to try to pacify the hurt. People do that all the time. They turn to alcohol or they maybe turn to pills or other kinds of drugs. Sometimes we become cast because of resentment that we have. You know, we're, we're really mad about something. We have a grudge about what someone said or what someone did. And that just turns us upside down. And when we rehearse the hurt that bred the resentment in our life, it just eats us up, eats us up all the time. But we need to remember that we have a shepherd. And David Roper put it this way. He says that our shepherd sees the hurt and the heartbreak that others cannot see and which cannot be adequately explained even to our closest friends, but he sees that. He knows when grief and pain and loneliness overwhelm us. He knows our pain as no one else knows it. Our bleeding reaches his ears. And when we are cast like that, the shepherd is saying to us, let me put you back on your feet. Don't turn to artificial solutions. Look to me as your shepherd. And as we talk to him, and as we walk with him, and as we seek to rely on him, guess what will happen? He will restore he will renew. When it says in verse 3, He restores my soul, the New Living Translation, it says, He renews my strength. He renews my strength. So there are two ways that a sheep could be restored. The first one is when a sheep is cast. The second one is when a sheep has wandered off. And that second way, looking at restoring a wandering sheep, we're going to look at next time as we look at the God who guides. But David says, the Lord, Yahweh, 
is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Do you believe that he can satisfy your deepest needs? Do you believe that he is a shepherd who can calm your heart? Do you believe that he is a shepherd who can renew your spirit? And again, maybe for you today, as you came in here, fear was an issue for you. There's a sense of anxiety, a sense of panic. I want you to understand what David wants you to understand, and that is the shepherd is there. He's saying to you, let me handle this. Faith is a refusal to panic. And I don't know your situation. Maybe you came in today and you are a cast sheep. And there's this sense of loss or this sense of hurt in your life. And I want you to know that your shepherd knows that. He knows your hurt. He knows your grief. He knows your loneliness. Your bleeding has reached his ears. And what he wants to say to you is, will you allow me to put you back on your feet? Will you allow me that? He desires to restore your soul. He desires to renew your strength. And whatever our situation may be, the message is the same for all of us today. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for this living portion of your book, the Bible. We thank you for the truth that is here. And we would pray, Father, that in new ways that we've never experienced, that you would help us to see you as our shepherd. And whether we're, we're dealing with hurt in our life or worry in our life or whatever it may be, may we all practice the counsel of Psalm 4610, to be still and know that I am God. I am the God who is there. I am your shepherd. I am your all in all. We thank you for being that. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.